Let's praise God for that day of service and all the good things that happened there. Wow, I love seeing the, the smiles, hearing the stories of what you, the church, did on the day of service. It's such a blessing to see that. It's on moments like that that we really let the word win. That we live our lives in such a way where we love God, love people, and serve all. That, that's our mission. And I invite you to join us, whether you're listening on the radio or watching online. Join us in our mission where we are going to continue to love God, love people, and serve all. And just, it doesn't happen just on the day of service. It happens today and tomorrow and the next day. It, it's, a, it's about living a, a life that's generous to grow God's kingdom for his glory. It's a joy to see many of you living a generous life. It has this concept of being open-handed, and that's what we're talking about this, this month, is living open-handedly, living in a generous way. You can tell a lot by the way people hold their hands. We, we talked about that last week. In fact, I gave you some uh, just hand gestures or signs that, that you nailed, that you got like uh, right off the bat. So I want to give you a few more today and see if you can get these. These are a little more difficult. And the strange thing about these is uh, they are all kind of the same uh, hand sign. So if I would do this and go like this, what, what does that mean? Call me. You guys know that. If I keep my hand the exact same way and I do this, what does that mean? Hang 10. Hang, ten, hang loose, okay? If I, if, if I do this, what does that mean? First service didn't know that. Great job. I love you, okay? Good job. If I, uh, we all would like to do more of this, but this is what that means, right? If you have a toddler, you know that means more. Um, but we're, that's the last one we're going to do today. We'll do a couple more maybe in the weeks to come. But the reality is we can tell a lot by how people hold their hands. Today we're going to also see that you can tell a lot about someone for what they hold in their hands, what they're holding on to. We all have things we love to hold on to, things we enjoy, things we cherish, things that make us feel safe, things that make us feel secure, uh, things that, that make us uh, feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. These are all things we, we love to hold tightly to. In our text for today, though, if you turn with me and your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is going to warn about holding on to things too tightly. He, he uses the language, don't store up for yourself, but, but I would uh, put that today's concept of this whole series. Uh, be careful what you're holding on to. Be careful what you're storing up. He warns us that if we hold on to things too tightly, we, we start to lose focus of what's most important. And these things can control our lives. They can begin to control us. We can live in such a way that if I can hold on to this, then I can have significance. If I hold on to that, I, I can be successful. If I, I can hold on to these things, I can feel safe. And if we're not careful, we can hold on to these things so tightly. We live in such a way that we think these things deserve all of our time, our attention, maybe our money. And if we're not careful, they begin to master us. We can become mastered by what we hold. Here's the thing I want to tell you from the beginning. If this is the only thing you hear, if you're here to honor Christ, He is our only master, and there should be nothing of this world that masters us other than Jesus. But if we're honest, we're all tempted to be mastered by other things. We're tempted to hold on to things, and we become so focused on them, they become what we worship. They become what we praise, what we look forward to. For some of us, it's success. It may be work. It may be knowledge and more wisdom. It could be the game of golf. It may be football or food. For some of us, it's our kids. It's our spouse. For others of us, it's our cars. It may be the country we live in. For some of you, it's music. And for many of us, it's 
money. Jesus is going to speak directly to that today. All these things can be temptations for us to seek before God, and that becomes our master. So let me ask you before we move on, what is it that you hold that needs, you need to loosen up on? That you're tempted to say, I've got this and this makes my life secure. I've got this and this gives me significance. What is it that you're holding on to that you probably need to consider to let go based on the, the words that we're going to study from Jesus? You need to probably release, but, but oftentimes I'm afraid we're a lot like a toddler. Have you noticed if a toddler has something that they all of a sudden realize that either provides them joy or makes them excited, or they know that you know it's valuable, they're not going to let go. It's like trying to pull a piece of meat from a pit bull. You ever had a toddler uh, clamp onto something? I wonder how many of you have ever uh, come across a toddler, and maybe they've got, they've got some uh, collectible from your house or something of value that's not theirs, and, and all of a sudden they realize that you want it, and you come up to them, and you're like, hey, can I have that? What is the toddler going to say right then? No, it's mine. That's right. They're going to say, no, it's mine. I wonder how often that's our attitudes before God. When we encounter God's call for generosity, when we may even have a reminder from his word of our responsibility to be generous, and God says uh, through the Holy Spirit, through his teaching or through a friend, hey, could you let go of that to be used for the kingdom? And our response says, no, it's mine. I wonder how often that's our attitude, that's our action, to remain closed-fisted instead of open-handed with our resources, to stay stingy instead of being generous. Today we're going to examine God's Word and look closely at what we're holding and who it really belongs to, to start with. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10. To readjust our thinking, that this idea that's not all ours, it's not mine, The Word of God says this, Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord your God. The Word of God says, Look, uh, look up to the stars and all the sky. Uh, Look look to those satellites that go across the sky. Look look even into the Milky Way. Look all around on earth, all all the cows, all, all the cars, everything you see, it all belongs to God. It's His. It all belongs to Him. And what we have been blessed with has been put in our hands, not for us to hold tightly just to get what we can get out of life, but it's really been given to us to be a blessing to others, to, for God's glory. But how often is our mindset, no, it's mine. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says in Matthew 6, in the, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he gets right to the heart of the matter because it's not really about your hands at all. It's about your heart. Here's what he says. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Where moths and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. You've probably heard this passage before, but notice he says, lay up for yourself in heaven. But don't lay up for yourself. Don't hold on to things of this earth so tightly. Be careful what you're holding on to. Throughout Christ's teachings, he warns against holding on to things of this world. And he says over and over again, invest here, invest here, uh, serve here, uh, give here, because these things have eternal value. Uh, What what really has eternal value? Well, we see in Scripture that there's a great eternal value when we serve those that don't often get served. When when we help the marginalized, when when we love the outcast, he, he says time and time again, those things invest in the kingdom of God. 
He says, when you give a, a cup of water to the thirsty, when you go visit uh, uh, the one in jail, when you uh, love on and help the sick, those things are investments to the kingdom of God. When you use your money to make disciples, when you share the good news, these are generous things that invest in the kingdom. It's living with an open hand. Jesus says, invest there. Because when we invest our time, our talents, and our treasures in the kingdom, it has an, an eternal return. And he gives us the reason why in the text. Look what it says in verse 21. The very next verse, you know these words. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says it's not just about what you're holding on to. Whatever you hold on to shows where your heart is. He says, whatever you're grabbing, whatever you're trying to, uh, to, to, to keep from getting away, your heart belongs to that. Jesus is letting us know that a wise, godly, godly person treasures things that have eternal value, and a foolish person tries to hold on with junk, things that are going to fade away, things that the moss and rust, rust can destroy. And he goes on to explain us how to have a good vision for what to hold on to. Look what he says in verse 22. He says, the eye, our vision, is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is good, your whole body is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that is the darkness? Jesus is saying here, we've got to pay attention to what we focus on. Even before your hand grabs it, even before you run after it, what, what are you looking at? What, what's your vision for life? Uh, pause right here for a second. Last week, if you're here, it makes me think exactly. This is why uh, there were four people that had a vision, and you can see it in the serve day, to help someone who never is helped, uh, to, to help someone who, who doesn't have a family or friend network. And those four people that had that good vision, we said, we want to bless you with more resources to bless others that have a need. This is exactly the thing that Jesus is talking about here. He says, we want you to have a vision to be generous, to use your blessings to bless others. And when you have this good vision, your whole body will be full of light. A good godly vision. But he says, if you have a bad, selfish vision, you're going to have great darkness. And here, here's a choice for you. You can have either a good, godly, a generous vision, and you can be bright in the kingdom of God, or you can be full of this evil, uh, dark, bad vision, and you're going to be dark, and the darkness is going to grow until you're overcome by it. The word here in the Greek is, is very powerful, that Jesus says. The word here for good is actually in the Greek, haplos. And it's a Greek word that has two basic meanings. It can literally mean to have a vision to focus on the right things. And that's the root concept of that. But then there's, an, there's another layer for this word that literally means to have a, a godly or generous vision. So what Jesus is saying, there's a double meaning here. He says, when, whenever you're wanting to develop your heart and make sure what's right is, is in your hands is right, he says, have a, a godly, generous vision. It's a powerful word. It's the same word, root word, that was used in last week's text from 2 Corinthians 9. Listen to this. It says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous, hoplos, in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Jesus says you've got to have this good gen, uh, vision, and, and Paul used the same word, and we translate it generous. So Jesus is making sure that we have this vision in our minds that, that goes to our hearts to be used in our hands that is clear and focused on the kingdom. The opposite of that is this vision. He says, you can have a bad vision. 
This Greek word here literally means to be wicked or evil. This bad vision in the Greek literally means that you have this evil eye. This is the concept that we kind of toss around, we don't really think much into. You ever hear someone say, hey, they gave me the evil eye? You ever heard that phrase? This is the same type of thing that Jesus talked about. This goes back thousands of years even before Jesus. But he says either you have this visionary thing where you're thinking of others, or, or you give people the evil eye all the time showing, I'm in it for myself. When I was thinking about what the evil eye looked like, I couldn't help but, but think of an episode of Seinfeld where Kramer is at a birthday party for FDR. Anybody ever remember this, this video, uh, this clip of Seinfeld where Kramer's at uh, a birthday party for his friend? Kramer's kind of bigger than life, if you know Seinfeld, and FDR is all of a sudden upset that Kramer is even there, and watch how he gives him the evil eye. Watch this clip. It's my birthday party. You're like, hey, this is my house. This is my party. This is my special day. And yet we have no right to go around glaring people and saying, this is all about me. Jesus here is saying you're either going to have this good, generous vision for people or you're going to have this evil eye. This concept, it's all about me. He gets right to the point whenever we've got this bad focus. Look what he says in verse 24. No one can serve two masters for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Jesus says you cannot serve both God and the devil. Isn't that what he says? No. He doesn't say you can serve both God and evil. No, he literally says when the rubber hits the road, based on your heart that, I'm, that he was speaking to, he says you're either going to despise one and hate the other, you're gonna, you cannot love both God and money. You can't serve both. Because he knows what often will master us is money. He knows if we're not careful, we can become like a toddler and say, no, it's mine. And Jesus is saying, be very careful here that your vision leads you to be open-handed to what you've been uh, entrusted with, or you're going to lose your heart. It's going to become controlled by money. He says, I hope you have a change of heart. When my hands are tied by money, it becomes my master. Same is true for you. It means that oftentimes we'll work crazy hours so we can just hold on to more. It often means we'll do anything to get it, even if it means we push people away. If we're so mastered by money, it'll lead us to do all kinds of things to the point where we ruin relationships with God and the people closest to us. We all have seen someone that's so mastered by money, there's no relationships left. If you hear one thing today, know this, that your uh, ability or uh, inability to be mastered or controlled by money or, or you being generous with it can ruin relationships more, more uh, quickly than anything else. We all, all know people who've lost pro- proper focus and ruined relationships. One of the saddest things that I notice on an annual basis in ministry is this. D or I will get a call to visit somebody in a nursing home or hospital, and they're at the end of their life. But this is the first sign. It wasn't the son or daughter or a friend who called it. It's usually like the, uh, the, uh, the nurse or uh, uh, someone who works at the, 
uh, nursing home. And they're like, hey, could you come and visit? And we'll go in there. And, and sure enough, this person will be completely alone. And if you dig a little deeper, more times than not, they're still holding on to something or, or some uh, things of the past, and they've accumulated these things, and they're not going to let go of it. But in the, in the meantime, you know what they've lost? All relationships. And it's tragic. It's heartbreaking. I've never had a funeral where the family comes out and say, boy, dad was a great guy. He's the greatest. He had these cool collectibles. He had these awesome cars. He had a a safe full of cash. He's the greatest. I've never had a situation that that goes like that. But I've had families that have had virtually nothing. And they've said, dad was the greatest. He he was there for us. He he loved us. He he did his very best to provide. And he listened. And and he took care of us. Those are the things that really matter. Jesus is saying, pay attention to what you're holding on to, what you're storing up. It's a matter of the heart. Invest in what's eternal. Invest in relationships. He is literally saying, set your mind, set your vision on what's clearly important, on what's in heaven. Make sure your heart is there. So then let me ask you, why aren't we more generous? Why aren't Christians more generous? You're like, Tyson, of course we're generous. We just had a serve day. We're, we're, we're living on a regular basis to make people's lives better, okay. But as a whole, our nation, and as a Christian nation, is closed-fisted. What keeps us from really being open-handed to be generous? What makes it hard to go from closed-fisted to open-handed? I'll, I'll tell you why. It takes faith. Not just a Sunday faith where we show up at church, but not just a, a faith where we serve uh, one, one day of the year, but a faith that consistently leads us to be open-handed every day, every hour. It, it takes faith. It's hard. But if we really believed in heaven, if we really believed these words of Jesus, wouldn't it change us how we lived? Instead of holding on and saying, this is mine, to say, no, God, you use what I've been given however you want. But really, Christians aren't that different than the world. I want to share some statistics with you. In a recent survey in Christianity Today, here's what was found. That only 5% of church members give regularly. That means 95% of church givers on a regular basis are kind of close-fisted. They're like, "Eh, it's not today. Households that make more than $75,000 as a whole household are less charitable. That, that dilemma was going, went on to explain, uh, the more you make, the more we try to hold on to, because the more we got going, the more we do. They found the most charitable people are, are people that make the least. My concern is, even though I don't know any of the numbers of the church, we have a lot of families that make $75,000 or more as a household, and what that tells me is we're tempted to be close-fisted, saying, this is mine. Or how about this one? Christians today give 2.5% of their income. As an average, we as followers of Jesus, here's our generosity, we give 2.5% away. Here's the dilemma. God's word, and we're going to see this in a little bit, God's word has a baseline, a guideline uh, to begin to be generous, to begin to offer to God as 10%. It's called the tithe. And yet, as a whole, we're giving 2.5% back to him. Why aren't we more generous? A biblical call is for us to, to be generous, and yet we're not. In fact, you're like, well, we're, generous. we're more generous than the world. No, this, this, uh, this survey found that only 2.7% of religious and non-religious people give at least 10% of their wealth away. 
it did not matter based on this survey if you were a, a follower of Christ or not a follower of Christ. The average American gay, uh, only 2.7% of them gave a tithe. We're really no different than the world. Why not? Is our faith not in, in the things of heaven? Do we not believe Jesus? Here, here's the problem. I think it's fear that controls our faith at times. We say things like this. Well, I would be generous, but I just don't have enough to cover what I need. I'd be more generous with my time, but, but I'm running out of time each week. I'd have more generous with my money, but, but I'm afraid I wouldn't have enough. Do we not remember who we serve? Do we not remember who our God is? Because if we trust him, God can and will provide. So we have to let fear be overcome by our faith. Here's what Hebrews 11 says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I find this interesting. I've never seen this uh, part of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is all about faith. It's the faith chapter. But in this, there's a reminder that when we place our faith in him, God rewards us. Now, I'm not saying it's with money. I'm not saying it's with an IRA. I'm not saying it's with inheritance. But there's a promise that when we place our faith in him, he rewards. Here's my ask of you. Are you at times like a toddler saying it's mine, or are you trusting him with your faith, with, with all that you have? I believe it's time for all of us to continue to examine, am I being faithful, open-handed with what God's given? Do I have a vision for what is good, what is generous, or do I have this evil eye vision? I know it's hard. It's hard when you're a kid. It doesn't get any easier when you're older. Uh, for the teenagers up here, don't, don't think you're going to wait till you're my age or, or your grandparents' age to figure it out. We've got to figure this out now. Because human nature is to hold on. Last week, if you were here, uh, the, the, the two girls right here, man, they did a great job holding on to uh, the chocolate I gave them. I asked one of them to go open-handed and one of them to close-fisted. It was a great experiment, but I'm afraid most of us, if living to our, left to our own nature, we'd be close-fisted with everything. The next part of the experiment that my brother and I did with the chocolate with our toddlers uh, about 15 years ago was really amazing. Uh, we not only uh, first noticed that one of them was close-fisted, the other open-handed. After about 90 seconds of that little experiment, we said, okay, the, the, the chocolate bars are yours, boys. And they began to be amazed immediately. Uh, the, the two older boys that, that held their uh, chocolate close-fisted, close it had already started to melt in their hands. It was a mess. And they started trying to consume it before it was just all gone, like a total, like, just goo. So they were eating it as quick as they could. The other boys just kind of stood there and looked at it. They were kind of amazed. You mean this whole chocolate bar is ours? We don't do that, like, with toddlers around, you know? But then quickly, after the other boys started consuming theirs, and the younger ones were looking at it, we kind of laid some, uh, um, just a little bit of a challenge before him. We said, you know, your moms really like chocolate. It'd be nice if someone would share with your moms. And then and we said, hey, your dads, and we're standing there talking about ourselves kind of weird, but he's like, your dads really like chocolate too. And they kind of looked at the chocolate. The other boys were eating it. What we noticed, the two boys that had them open-handed really quickly broke off a piece before they ate a bite and offered it to their dads, to my brother and I. It was, a, it was kind of a beautiful moment. At the same time, we noticed that the two boys that had been closed-fisted, her hands were now full of, like, slime, were slobbering all over their pieces and ignoring us completely. They were just diving in, you know? And laid it on a little thicker. Said something like to the older boys, boy, if you would just share a little bit, there might be more later. 
and they looked at the chocolate and they looked at their mess. And instead of breaking off us a piece, you know what they did? They offered my brother and I a bite of their slimy, slobbered chocolate. <laughs> and I looked at it, I looked at my brother, and I said, no thanks, you guys, go ahead, enjoy. How often are we like those older toddlers, those four-year-olds, enjoying all that we can get our hands on right at first, and then at some point, whether it's Sunday morning or, or one day a year, we're like, God, here, here's kind of my messy leftovers, and God's like, no, I'm good. I've got all that I need. I, I wasn't really worried about your chocolate. I just want to see where your heart was. You get what I'm saying? It's not about the chocolate. It's not about the money. It's not about your property. It's not about your, your financial legacy. It's about where your heart is. Jesus says uh, the, the dilemma is whatever you hold on to, that's, that's where you're internally investing in. Sometimes we make a mess of things. I can't help but wonder how many, many of us go through life with a mess on our hands, thinking at the last minute we can offer God what's left over, and that's good enough. In that, you know what we're doing? We're robbing from God. Those aren't my words. We're going to go to the Word of God in Malachi chapter 3. That's what God says. You rob me. Look what it says. Look to the Word of God. It says, He says, Return to me, and I'll return to you, says Lord Almighty. But you ask, How are you to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? The people are like, how, how in the world can we rob God? I mean, you're, you're above us. And God gets right to the point. He says, you rob me in tithes and offerings. You rob me from this reality that, that you're so evil-minded, you're so uh, 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 selfish-focused that you don't even think about returning to me anything, and, and you, you hold back from God. He says, you're under a curse, the whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse, and there, and there may be food, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgate of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be no room, there will not be room enough to store it. I mean, that's a lot. He says, test me in this. Offer to me uh, the very first thing that you return to anyone. Give it to me, and I'm going to multiply it so much you won't even have uh, room enough to store all that I bless you with. And then he goes directly connected to what Jesus says here. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. He says, I I'm going to make it where your investment is not overcome by rust or moths or, or thieves breaking in still. I'm going to protect it. He says, and the vines in their fields will, will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. He says, I'm going to make sure you're blessed says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God is challenging us to stop robbing from him. And he's not worried about what's in your hands. He doesn't need that. But, but he, he wants your heart. Because when, when, when we hold on to things of this world so much, it becomes what owns us. And then, and then we pull our heart away from God. What we really are, are taking away from God is our, our faith, our trust, our hearts. It's time that we put our faith in him and stop robbing from him. Today, I want to invite you to join the elders and I in a commitment to, to live open-handedly, to, to return our hearts back to him. And I believe a big commitment to that once you're a believer and you've given your life to him, uh, one of the ways that we rob him is, is from, from not uh, uh, trusting him with everything 
And, and through the Old Testament, all through Scripture, there's this affirmation that the tithe is still a great example that, that we are committed to him. So I'm going to ask you to consider this. There's no paper to sign today. There's, there's no uh, communication. This is just between you and God and your hearts. But I'm going to ask you to, to commit with the elders and I to be open-handed with the things you hold. That what you've received from God is a blessing from him. And he's asking right now, not for chocolate, he said, hey, consider giving me back. He says stronger than that. He says, hey, give back to me. The first 10%, I'm going to bless you more than you can imagine. The elders have wrestled with this the last three or four months of what it means to be open-handed, what it means to be generous, and they've come up with a statement that, that's not the Word of God, but it's guided by the Word of God, that they want you to know that they invite you to join with them in, not just with attitude, but with action. It's going to be on our website, on our page of generosity, but I'm going to share with you now to let this flow through you, to know that this is, this is where your leaders are based on God's Word. Here's what they, they've committed to say. As members of the body of Christ, we believe that all resources under our care are a gift of, from God. Being stewards of those gifts, we should reflect the extravagant generosity and grace by being generous in return. We are blessed by God to be a blessing to others with their time, talents, and treasures. Regarding the giving of the treasure, this is regarding what we've received physically the most specific and consistent guideline from the Word of God is the tithe, or 10% of our income. The Word of God teaches that giving should be joyful and directed first to the church. Join us in committing to generous giving to honor God and to share the hope that changes everything. So here's what's interesting. The elders of this church have never made a statement like this. What's more interesting, I find it very valuable, uh, not because it is greater than God's word, because it's not, but this is, this is like an accumulation of what we believe God's word says about this. These, these truths are all find in the, found in the Bible. What is most valuable about this is we have wrestled with it. There have been days where we've realized in our elders' meetings where this is not easy. There, there have been times when we realize we're probably more of the 2.7% where we don't get it right. And they've wrestled with this to help guide you, to help guide their hearts, because we truly believe when we return to God what he asks, he's going to bless us more than we can imagine. And there's a blessing in this. And I thank the elders not, not only for writing these words down and, and allowing them to, to me to share with you on their behalf, but they have now went through a little bit of fire with this, went through a little testing. And I think we're better off in our attitudes and I believe in our actions moving forward because we've let God's word win. It's not easy. In fact, when I hear these words sometimes in my own selfish moments, I become kind of like a toddler and say, no, it's mine. You can, you can put words on the internet, Tyson, you can preach all you want, but it's mine. And, and I want to remind you, that's how I feel sometimes. I can tell that's how you feel. Remember, words uh, say a lot, or our hands tell us a lot about who we are, what we're thinking. And a number of you throughout today, and I'm not going to look at anyone specific right now, but your hands have told me a lot about how you feel because this is how you're setting. I don't know about this. The hands are kind of crossed and a little bit irritated. I get it. It's not easy. But I want to be faithful to the word. I want to put this before you. Because God deserves more than our messy leftovers. He deserves our first fruit, our very best. Some of you are probably still thinking, man, uh, Tyson, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't need to be, honor this. I, I've been generous as much as I need to be generous. 
I bring this before you not because we want more from you. you some of you are thinking, you only bring this up once a year uh, because this is what you want for us, uh, from us. So you, we just want the offerings to increase. We want this and that from you. I share this to you, not because what we want from you, but because of what we want for you. I can testify with my own heart that when I'm faithful to God, returning what's his from the beginning and honoring him with my first fruits, my life is more blessed. It may not mean my bank account is greater, but my life is more blessed. It just is. We want this for you from a blessing from God. So he'll pour, up, pour open the floodgates and bless you at his time. Some of you are still thinking, boy, this just doesn't make sense. And it won't. I realize if you haven't given your heart to him, if you've not first uh, returned your heart to him and said, God, I trust you uh, that Jesus saved me and I've, I'm making him uh, the king of my life. I'm making him uh, my Lord and Savior. None of this matters. In fact, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, the money doesn't matter a bit. So today, if you're here today and you're like, I I've never given anything to God, let alone my heart, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about your time. Say, God, today is the day that I'm trusting Jesus to save me. And let him guide you the day after that and the day after that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you that we could un wrestle with the words of Jesus. Help us to not hold on too tightly and store up treasures on earth. But to have an open-handed life that we would generously see where we could give to the church, to our friends, to those that are hurting. Father, and truly be generous as you've been generous to us. Father, if there's someone here that has not given their heart to you. I pray much beyond the talk about tithes and offerings that they would say, Father, you can have my heart. I trust you to be my Savior through Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?